Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Live from Estopan All In. It's the Vamos Morados Podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville. Welcome to the Vamos Morados Podcast on the State of Louisville Podcast Network. I'm Zach. And I'm Benton. Benton. Ben, we got games. Finally, we got game. Game singular. The league had games. <laughs> It feels good to to have some local soccer action to watch again. It wasn't played locally, but it is still local soccer action. Although I guess Not technically sure. racing did did also play, but we couldn't watch that one. So we just got we just got tweet updates. Yeah, when you can't watch it, it kind of takes it takes significantly away from the experience. I just don't count those that, and it's a preseason tournament, like preseason stuff anyway. Like, yeah, eh, I'm not too worried. That stuff will sort itself out. I'm waiting for the. Uh, Stuff we can actually watch, stuff that actually matters, you know? Yes. Speaking of racing, next week we're going to have our racing preseason special with a a special yet-to-be-named mystery guest. Uh, Yes. Just like we did with Louisville City last week. So that should be a a fun episode. Yep. It's someone who hasn't been on before, but I'm very excited to have them on. I respect their opinion, and they'll bring a lot of great insight to our conversation about racing. So. Make sure you tune in for that one. And we're gonna we're gonna push Louisville City stuff back to the week after that, so we won't actually cover the Monterey Bay game until <laughs> until the week after. Hopefully, hopefully, nothing nothing that is super noteworthy happens. Yeah, I was gonna say hopefully it's just kind of a footnote and another uh, something of a team that we should beat. However, they did do pretty good, but we'll talk about them a little bit more later. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll get into that uh, before before we get into soccer though, Benton. Yeah, I want to. I want to start. I want to start doing that this this season. Uh, what are you into this week, Benton? What you got, what 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 piqued your interest outside of the soccer world this week? So what I'm into, it's not necessarily just this week. Kind of been more recently in general is the uh, idea of going green. I've always kind of 
appreciated being environmentally conscious. Can't say I've always been great at it or not, but however, you know, having become a homeowner within the past few years, I feel like I've been able to make a have a better opportunity to make an impact on that front. I had solar installed later last year, which I'm very happy about. And over the past few weeks, I've gone down pretty significant rabbit holes online, just kind of researching about other kind of renewable energy options and other ways to be more environmentally friendly, seeing like what household products I can use that are that are a lot better for the environment than some of the other ones, you know, like uh, dishwashing detergent and others, just stuff like that. I know it's not huge in the grand scheme of things, but I want to make sure I'm doing my part. So that's that's been something that's been capturing my interest and attention. Nice. I got real into using silicone bags instead of uh, like plastic Ziploc bags. And then and then having having a daughter kind of ruined that. That was much easier to do as a as a couple. I need to look into that. I was wondering what to do about the whole zip um, ziploc bag thing. That's uh, that's they work great. They're like yet. they're kind of they're very annoying to clean because they're thin and it's hard to get in there. That was mm-hmm. the that was what the lack of sleep and and needing to prepare snacks very quick kind of kind of killed the reusable bags. <laughs> but understandable. <laughs> so, but Zach, what are you into this week? What's been capturing your imagination? I got I got real into typewriters this week. I'm a I'm a typewriter guy now. I think I I, really? I went down a rabbit hole. I was playing a I was playing a game, Ginny uh, Leclue, which is like a point and click adventure game. Uh, but you play as a writer who's writing a novel in it, and he's writing on a typewriter. And that like that just like something clicked, and I was like that the typewriter is pretty neat. And so I got. I, I watched a bunch of stuff about typewriters and now I've been trying to track down one. I think I'm going to start doing first drafts of thing on typewriter. That's, that's going to be, I'm going to be that guy now. That fits your vibe. Like that totally makes sense. I saw that written down on our show notes. I'm, like, I'm honestly that. surprised that I don't already have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, anybody, anybody finds any typewriters in recently deceased family members, addicts, I'll, I'll take it and fix it up. He's starting to hit that warmer weather where you'll get more uh, like yard sales and whatnot. So you got to go out Saturday mornings and check out the scene, see what you can find. They're so cool. They're mechanical. They make satisfying clicky noises. So I have a mechanical keyboard. Yeah, I, I also have a mechanical keyboard. I'll complete it. Yeah, I'll have my old cameras and my old typewriter. <laughs> ben, Ben, we have we have soccer to actually talk about this week. We do, and, and I'm, I'm so happy about, about it. it. And it went well. Mm-hmm. It's a good game. Yep. Louisville played Orange County this week, and it was a well, it, it was a very decisive scoreline, a three-one win. Uh, early goal uh, from Nile off across from Ombi, uh, and then uh, Orange County pulled it even at the half, and then Louisville rung off two unanswered in the second half to, to close it out. But I, I guess my question for you, did you feel like the scoreline was reflective of the actual difference in play in the game? No, uh, I felt it was a, maybe a little disrespectful towards orange County. I think we were the better team. I don't have any problems with us winning, but I think they did better than what that scoreline looks like. And ironically enough, I said the same thing about the match we had against them last year. Uh, I mean, we were, again, we in that situation, I, I feel like we were the better team, kind of pretty unquestionably, but like three to one better just feels like, feels a little harsh for them, you know? 
Yeah, because I, I, I feel like if you if you look at the statistics from that game, everything was super even. I, mm-hmm. That game kind of looked like a draw on paper because that expected goals, uh, Orange County 1.18 to 0.98 for Louisville. So basically a toss up there. Uh, possession was 49% to 51%, uh, 14 shots to eight. But I think uh, Louisville had better shots. So that, that I think that was fairly even. Yeah, passing numbers were clo- were close. It just it seemed to me like which is it's great because I feel like we're always complaining about being on the other side of this. But I think Louisville Louisville finished their chances, and that was the difference in the game. But you know, looking at those stats, like I honestly, like, if you showed me those those stats and not the score line, I would have actually been concerned. Like I'd been like, oh crap, did we lose? Like it had to be at least a draw. Like, but did we lose? Yeah. Thankfully, that that wasn't the case. You know, there's just always there's always some things that don't show up. In the numbers of soccer, you know, there's a couple of things. You know, Brian Obi's shot that rocked the 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 post. That was only like 12 minutes in. That easily could have been a, a two nothing lead. Although uh, Orange County have, had a shot that rocked the post, maybe even harder in the second half. <laughs> they did, yeah. I mean, so yeah, that and that that goes to show why I kind of thought that score line was maybe a little harsh for them. Not that I really care that much about them, but like we're being honest. Yeah. Uh, we also there's also three situation. shots on target, three goals, which is it's as good as you can do. <laughs> yeah, for, right for Louisville. There was also the uh, there was a no call and a hand. But I want to say it was like twenty some odd minutes in the yeah, game. Yeah, I kind of got ripped off a little bit there. Yeah, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on that one. Was that like, did you think that should have been a handball call? Was that pretty ambiguous? Do you understand why it wasn't called? Or I mean, it wasn't crazy not to call it. Uh, I think uh, clearly it was not on purpose. It was like a a ball ricocheted and and it just hit the player's arm. The arm the player didn't move their arm into the ball. So it's not egregious to not call it. I think by the way it's defined currently, I think the arm was in an unnatural air quotes, unnatural position. So I think you could have called it there, uh, but it's, it's not the, that's the most egregious thing in the world to, to not call that. I think if, if like, <laughs> if, if a ball deflected into like Tosh's arm and, he wasn't even facing the ball when it happened. I, I and it got called a handball and it was a penalty kick for us. I think we would be pretty angry about that. So yeah. hang on the flip side. It's it's a it's fair to not call it, but they could have yeah. had a penalty kick there. I wasn't ready to grab a torch in a in a pitchfork, but I did I kinda like you. I kinda felt like that probably should have been called ultimately. I feel like the the only so. shot off the post was a bigger missed opportunity, probably. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was a great shot by him too, by the way. Oh man, that was a rocket. Yeah, it's a power shot. Did uh, I remember correctly? He shoot that lefty. He did. Yes. Yeah. It was a left footed shot. He was able to get set up a little bit outside the box. It was a great run by uh, by Matiti down the flank. He just kind of powered through a defender. Was like all over him. <laughs> Pretty much like had shoved the guy down. Like it was a very physical sequence leading up to that. Also, feel like uh, Louisville was covering the back post extremely well in that game i I think we we set through we've set through a lot of games in the past where it feels like louisville's putting in crosses and there's nobody on the back post to to finish them off and i feel like this whole game every cross there was someone back posts ready for it because omi omi had another header that he sort of took a sort of spun off his head and and went wide but it was another really good shot opportunity for him yeah, he was oh, everywhere. Was 
with the spinning, I just thought he didn't get enough of his head on one of those things where his head maybe more had just grazed it. But e- either way, yeah, that was a, that was a I think he was call. sweaty and it just sort of skimmed off his head because it was at an angle. This is why you need hair, Brian. He would have had more, <laughs> more, more grab on that. <laughs> Gotta get a headband up there or something for traction. Honestly, we, we keep bringing up the man's name. I think we just need to go ahead and go into the part now where we just rant and rave about how great he is. Because oh, he was so outstanding in that match. At 33 years old, still doing things he does. He got two assists, nearly got a goal. We kept talking about that one. He rocked the uh, the post. And he was just overall like a complete problem, like in ways that don't show up on the stat, stat sheet. Not to mention that foot injury. Did you see that picture? The what? The, the foot the, in- the picture oh, of his boot. He blew up his boot. <laughs> Yeah, that got in there, ripped the boot. There was blood all over it. People were comparing it to uh, Kurt Schilling uh, back in the uh, the early 2000s when he like busted up his hand or whatever. He was and Omi, on the sock. Omi is no stranger to to ripping up boots. Because you remember that game at Slugger where I think he went through three pairs of cleats in one game because he kept just blowing the side out of them? I mean, this looks like somebody got a hold of him. There's no way he could have ripped that on himself. But, uh, you know, he played through that, too. He came back in there, and um, I didn't realize the extent of it. I was I was on the, the media call right right after the match, and, and, and Danny practically brought that up. You know, Did that happen? Is, was that when he was just sort of on the ground? Yeah. Yeah, it was then. Yeah. He, uh, he went out for a few minutes, and then you know, Coach Cruz even talked about how that kind of derailed the momentum of things, and it really just goes to show how important Brian Obi is. Yeah, because it uh, Louisville came out of the gate super strong in this game. I mean, they absolutely dominated that first 20, 25 minutes or so of the game. And then mm-hmm. sort of near the, the second, the latter half of that first half, Orange County really came back. And I think, I mean, the scoreline was even, but by the end of the half, I think the game was very even too. Uh, so yeah, big momentum swing midway through that half. Yeah, the momentum swings you're talking about reminds me. It's like I use BotMob a lot. I really love that app. It does a really good job of kind of showing you all the games, just like internet, like all over the globe that are happening and the stats and stuff related to them. So I frequently check it out for the little city matches. But one thing that the uh, this other app I have, SofaScore, has is that this cool like kind of game flow thing, and it really kind of shows visually the momentum shifts, and it shows exactly what you were talking about there. We we were in the driver's seat for probably a good 30 or so minutes, and then they kind of found their footing a bit, just enough where they found their own goal later in that first half. And there's a little bit of ebbs yeah. and flows in the second half too. I don't know exactly what the under the hood, like what that chart is based off of, but it always seems to pass the eye test pretty well. That the that their chart seems to match how I remember the games going very closely every time. Oh yeah, they're great. And uh, for, BotMob does have them, but they just don't have them for the USL. Like if you ever check out a Premier League match on there, it kind of has something similar on there. But I like SofaScore does a, does a better job of that element particularly. This season, SofaScore has added like average player positions and things. So it looks like they're getting hmm. some more USL data that they didn't have before, which I'm excited about. Yeah, I think that, did the USL talk about something re-upping their partnership with Opter? Did they expand it? I'm not sure either way. More data is good good for nerds yeah. like us. Speaking of average player positions, I guess we want to talk a little bit about lineup and, and formation. Uh, we got yeah, that's something I was really a couple of new faces in the starting in. lineup. 
based on who was not available for the game, not a surprise, but I think I was not expecting to see the new players start quite so quick. We had uh, Scarlet and Telufsen. Rasmus both started in the midfield and on the back line. Omi, Cam, and Matiti up top. Telufsen, Gibson, and Niall in the midfield. Dia, Tosh, Scarlet, and Manny on the back line, and Morton in goal. Yes? What You reminded me of one thing that I don't know where else to work in here, but you'll notice Enoch Matiti Mushagalusa this year, rather than having Mushagalusa on the back of his kit, it says Matiti. I like how the players have the flexibility to have what they want on the back of their kits, but I do have to say Mushagalusa is a pretty awesome name, and I'm sad not to see that on the back of the jersey anymore. I, I love names that barely fit on jerseys. The more letters in your right. last name, the better. Yeah, it was, it was perfect, and it just... <laughs> It just sounds great. He had a great last name, but you know, again, I'm glad he has the flexibility to have what he wants on there. Yeah. Anyway, so just that, a fun fact I thought I'd interject. <laughs> what did what did you think of the of the additions to the starting lineup? The first game for both of them. When I learned that Josh is going to be unavailable, which we can get to a little bit later, um, I figured that Scarlett was going to naturally be the one in there, especially also since uh, Wes is still kind of recovering yeah, from Wes is still Wes had. A procedure in the off season is going to be out for yeah. a little while. I think we covered that last week. I don't know his timeline, so I, I, I should ask about that specifically. But yeah, once I learned that Josh was out of the equation, I kind of felt that uh, Jordan Scarlett would be starting, which I thought he I thought he did great. You know, it's defenders. You don't really notice them a lot. He didn't really make any big mistakes. He kind of fit in there pretty seamlessly. That's I thought he won a couple exactly tough headers. He had, had some good. Uh, he was solid on the back line. Yeah. Yeah. So so no concerns there. Uh, Telfson. Um, Christmas. He uh, was a little quiet on the night, but that's sometimes the nature of, of playing in the midfield. Um, you also have to keep in mind, this is a guy who just kind of uprooted his life, left Europe, traveled across the Atlantic Ocean to, to join us here. There's going to be understandably an adaptation period where he's just kind of you know, getting his life together. And I don't think we always fully appreciate that. You know, Not to mention, he's also traveled across the country at the team. These are new teammates. And this is his first competitive match. Like, all things considered, I'm fine, but yeah, he didn't have a ton of time on the ball, or was it over? Six- yeah, I mean, he wasn't on the ball a lot. I thought he controlled the midfield well. I thought he looked like he meshed with the rest of the team really well. I thought it was kind of interesting looking at like the, the average positions and how the game played out. Him and Gibson were kind of playing like double pivot mm-hmm. back there with uh, with Nile playing attacking midfield, which I think is a little different than we saw last season because usually Gibson was playing kind of defensive midfielder by himself with, yeah. with sort of two attackers. So it's kind of an inversion uh, of our midfield shape. We played a lot of last season. I think and, I thought the team defended really well. So it, it worked well on that end. And if Rasmus was really kind of pivoting back and playing uh, some, uh, at times, some of the more defensive midfielder sort of role, it kind of go to show why, like he didn't really jump out on, on paper at all, why he was just kind of quiet looking. Kind of same curse that Tyler Gibson has, you know, when he plays in that role is that he just does not get a, a, enough appreciation and love. He's an outstanding player. Just none of his work shows up on the stat sheets. So if you kind of were going based off that, you kind of gloss over him. Even if you go back and look at, you know, highlights for the most part, he's, I don't want to say he's invisible on in the pitch, but he doesn't jump out at you. But he does great work. We love you, Tyler. Speaking of midfield, after, after the way the season ended last year, Felt so good to see Niall come out and score the first goal of the season this year. I'm glad you brought that up because 
before, like earlier in the afternoon, I was obviously like really anticipating the match. Like that's all I was thinking about all day. I thought about putting out a Twitter poll, kind of asking who's going to score the first goal for Louisville City. And I can tell you, Nia was not going to be on that list of names I was going to throw out there. So super thrilled for him that he he got off the mark early again, especially all of his his injuries and whatnot. You know, it's it's start, it's getting to the point. He's getting older and older. You just don't know how much more time we have with a legendary player like this. And for those listening, maybe not as familiar, Niall's been with the club since day one. That's outstanding. He's he's an he's an icon for that, but also the fact he's an out, he's an outstanding player. He's been able to maintain his spot in these ever competitive Louisville City sides. So oh, I did hear word on the street is is after after that full off season rehab. Niall's saying this is the best his body's felt coming into a season his whole career good for him yeah i I hear niles feeling good right now which i mean it it looked like it in the game it shows also we got a cam goal (laughs) speaking of last last season injury troubles and we've (laughs) barely even talked about it Uh, kind of a a weird cam goal that was uh he got his body in kind of a strange position (laughs) to chip that one in it's almost like i think you know it was um omb passed it over but i don't know if it got hit deflected by when the defenders are not to slow it down a little bit either way it didn't seem it to go like, exactly where he's anticipating and he was kind of like falling over hitting it to stay like back where it was i think the pass was just a slight amount behind him so he had to turn <laughs> and shoot like falling over to get to it uh did it take a deflection i, I could not tell it looked kind of like it, like it went off the the defender's ankle but it was really hard to see yeah, maybe that crazy that's, to slow it that's down, what Cam but, yeah. does. Cam picks the spots. <laughs> yeah, Even if just, it takes make, a deflection, it looks like he meant it. You make the most of your opportunities, and he did exactly that. Again, very happy for him after everything he went through last season. Uh, one of the pictures from the match was him, like, right after he scored, just celebrating, like, just the pure elation on his face. Like, it was awesome to see. I'm really, really happy for him. I feel like this is a formality with all the gushing we've done, but who, who was your player of the match that game? No, it was Brian Obi. It was Obi. It was for sure Obi. No questions asked. Uh, Sometimes I, I'm open to like entertaining other ideas, but any other idea in this situation was just wrong. And I'm sorry to every other player on the pitch. They all did outstanding and great. It's just you, you just can't compare with that, you know. So, um, one thing we kind of we kind of glossed yeah, I mean, over before. I guess we should kind of talk about is Josh Widener's absence is an excused absence. What do you think he was? Yeah, doing? I saw that, and I've not heard that since school. What What does an excused absence mean in the soccer? <laughs> well, just just understanding the full context of Josh Widener, I was guessing that it would maybe have something to do with him sorting out a European transfer for later in the year. Um, who knows what is to that, say? I think somebody a business specul- meeting absence. Somebody, yeah, somebody speculated online that that he he hopped on a plane and went over to Europe. But his dad actually chimed in on Twitter, and said, "Nope, he's right here on the couch with me." Okay. I, well, I mean, I don't know. You 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 spy him. You spy on him on Instagram. Was there any any cliffside beach pictures? The kid is smart enough not to throw up pictures and and stuff like that. I think it's different <laughs> when you're going over there training and everybody knows about it. So, um, you know, it's more of a when then if sort of situation so if it was something related to that wouldn't be shocked at all you know as long as he's not you know as long as he's ha- um, happy and healthy you know i'm fine with it we're able to make do because eventually we're gonna have to learn how to make do without him yeah so and it looks like i mean <laughs> we were without him 
Uh, we were out, we were without two defenders, and the team still looked good. So yeah, I think yeah. the team is built to. I mean, I, without three defenders, if you count <laughs> what we'll get into with the the news later. But um, yeah, Harris and Gonzalez Gonzalez were also unavailable, or they weren't and on the Ray. roster. Did, did you hear anything on those so, two? I don't know about Ray and Jorge. Ray Serrano is also um, yeah. listed as out. Wilson, I'm I'm told he um, I guess bumped his head in the match in Pittsburgh. No concussionary thing, just very, very precautionary thing. It's something that coach uh, Cruz is pretty, pretty adamant about like with these players health and they're um, particularly with head injuries, which I respect the hell out of. So I am never going to complain about taking a week off after a head injury. Yeah. Yep. So um, I, I don't have any reason to believe he won't be in the mix for, for next game, but who knows? Uh, so do you have anything else? Anything we didn't cover in the game? No, I mean it felt like a a fairly standard Louisville City match. I think the uh, there were way more positives and negatives. Um, I think there are elements of the match that kind of showed it was the it was the first game, but there were way more. There's way more evidence to show that they're firing at all cylinders right now. So um, doesn't shift my my incredible confidence in the squad this season. No, nope. always feels good to win. Well, Ben, how about we how about we pay some bills? How about we give the state of Louisville people some ad money, and then uh, when we come back, we'll cover next week game and some news. Yeah, got a lot to go over, so stay tuned. This is Jacob Lane, host of From the Pink Seats podcast, and I invite you to tune in each week to the show as myself, Vincent Lacoco, and Matt McGavick dive into the storylines, news, and happenings around the Louisville football program. Nowhere else in the city will you find coverage like you will on From the Pink Seats podcast. From recruiting to coaching moves to stories to breaking news, all of it is covered from top to bottom here on From the Pink Seats podcast. Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod and be sure to subscribe and rate and review the podcast anywhere you get your shows from. Go Cards! And welcome back. It's time to talk about Little City's upcoming match against Monterey Bay Saturday. Zach, did you see the scoreline for Monterey Bay's first match? I did not. I heard that it was wild. It was five to three. They beat Hartford in an absolutely insane match. A first half uh, hat trick, actually, for... Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He came for Pittsburgh, just signed there. Dixon, Alex Dixon. Um, so <laughs> that goes to show one of their new acquisitions is settling in quite nicely. Yeah, um, love to see that in the first game. Monterey Bay, I think, sticks out in a lot of a lot of big Louisville City fans' mind for for last season. Last season was was Monterey Bay's first season. They weren't particularly good at the start. They came to Louisville. We all kind of thought it was going to be not a guaranteed win, but closest you're going to get the one i think me and you are both on record overlooking that game oh i i 1000 where you can go back and read my preview piece on vomitismorias.com this is confidence i'm ever going to get on there about that one and it did not pan out the stats suggest that that little city were the better team but wasn't what the score line was so that was one that always always stuck out in fans mind since then so I think we have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, and I'd like to think that the team has that as well, that they haven't forgotten either. The problem is is that Monterey Bay, over the course of the season, they got better. They weren't great, 
But for Listen, they still finished game, they second sh- to last. They showed a lot of improvement, though, in that latter half. They just dug themselves quite a deep hole in the beginning. But their expansion they, team, again, so they get they get a lot of grace for that. Who who really cares? The problem is, is that this year they've leveled up a little bit. They're not like a, a world beater or anything, but they're not going to be the pushover that we walked into last year, the pushover that beat us. <laughs> they returned almost the whole roster. Right, they they added to it, but they they have a lot of for for a for a first year to second year team like a lot of roster consistency, which you don't always see. That consistency uh, was a recipe for our early success. Like you can't you can't overlook that. They were starting to to get in a groove and get things together. So I respect what they're uh, what they're they're building there. They've they've made some nice additions. We're going to be playing at their home rather than our own. So. I, I think it could be a, a reasonable challenge for Louisville City. Hopefully we get some more typical California weather for this next game. It yeah, rains the whole out. game against Orange County. That is that is unusual. I forgot about that. Yeah, about midway through, it was really uh, really picking up there, wasn't it? That's not what you expect when you plan your away game vacation. Yeah, especially in California. Yeah, I hear that. So... Now, how are you feeling about this Monterey Bay matchup? I mean, I, f- I feel like, well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to overlook them again, but I, I feel like that's a game they should have won last season. Uh, I think they're definitely going to be aware about that. Uh, I think Louisville's going to have a chip on their shoulder. It is in Monterey Bay, but I, I think. I think Louisville should be taking care of business. It should be a win. I feel you. To me, it feel it, it feels like a similar match to Orange County. Like respectable team, but we're better. I'm pulling up currently the 538 uh, odds. I kind of how things look for Monterey Bay, and ooh, 538 does not like Monterey Bay. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty confident that uh, John Morrissey, USL Tactics, who I respect the hell out of, has has them a lot higher. So it's kind of one of those big question mark teams maybe they're bad maybe they're Although, good i did read his preview for them and, and i think his model has monterey bay being pretty good and he actually thinks his model's too high on them uh, okay all right uh, i missed that part then but yeah i mean if you look at the the odds for the match according to 538 which take it with a grain of salt 2016 election um little city has a 57 percent chance to win monterey bay has a 19 percent chance so even it's a little more lopsided than the Orange County one. Oh, you've made me nerd angry. Just because you say a thing has a thirty percent chance of happening and then it happens doesn't mean you were wrong. Sorry, I'm just saying. Back to, I'm just that's saying. That's just how stand, statistics work. Stand up if you Nate say Silver. something has a thirty percent chance of happening and then it never happens, you're at, that's actually more wrong. I'm not going to get into uh, to Nate Silver and his uh. And his flaws. I respect what he's doing. I look at the side. Nate all the Silver time. is a very annoying person who is very good at at, at statistics. <laughs> the one thing is like, you know, put all the other stuff aside. His bread and butter initially was sports. So if there's anything I'm gonna like put more stuff oh, yeah. stock in, it's gonna be the sports stuff. So he basically took anyway. sports gambling and applied it to making yeah. models for elections. That's like, uh-huh. that's his that's his thing. I, again, I like 538. I just like to poke fun at him every once in a while because that's a pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty notorious thing. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Monterey Bay is supposed to be pretty defensively stout. So I think it's going to be another 
kind of, I don't, I, I think, I think they should play better against Monterey Bay than they did Orange County, but probably another game where they're, they don't have a ton of chances and they just need to finish the ones they get. Mm-hmm. Do you have a scoreline prediction? I'll say one Oh, I think we get a, we get the first bagel of the season. Okay. I was going to say a two, one, I kind of, do you feel like two, one is a, as a cop out scoreline? Cause sometimes I instantly think that I'm like, that's a cop out because that's saying, two oh, one is the average score. Like if you look at all of Louisville city history and average all of the games, I believe it's a two, one victory. <laughs> I think like Orange County, they can they can catch a sleep and just for a second and get one in and make the most of the opportunity. But I still think we are the better team. We could put two in there. I'm sick with the two one. No, nope, three one. Let's go three one. Sounds good. Repeat, repeat score line. There we go. Glad I, I talked you out of it. <laughs> uh, any more thoughts on Monterey Bay before we move on? No, let's hit let's hit up some news. Yeah, what news do you got for a second? Oh, my favorite bit of news from the week. So uh Carson Pickett. Who who racing Louisville traded for in the offseason. We, we will touch on this more next week. Uh I I think I mentioned uh, maybe I mentioned it on on a podcast somewhere, but she was my favorite non-racing player in the league last season. So I was I was very sad to see Emily Fox go, but I was very happy to see her come here. But she just signed a three-year deal <laughs> before the season has even started, which I think is a, probably a good sign. It, I think that says good things about both the city of Louisville and the the organization. Uh, she seems so, to be very happy here since she arrived. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to throw a wet blanket on things, but I don't think that Emily Fox trade happens if they don't have some sort of assurance that that these players not only want to be here for I guess the remainder of their contract, but for an extended period of time. Uh-huh. So I'm just happy that it became official and we got that across the line, and and we have some sort of stability and consistency there. From what I understand. The players did not know about the deal until after it happens. <laughs> they, 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 or at least in the first couple of interviews after the trade happened, they were very surprised about it. Let Let me rephrase then. I, I don't think they do it if there isn't some sense that they think that they would. How about that? There we go. A, a level of confidence to it, like yeah, they'll they should do it. Still, like a three year deal is a commitment. That, that's I, not. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think I, that I did, that's why I didn't want to be the wet blanket about it. But like, I just that I think that was a thing to point out. Like, you don't you don't trade away a piece like Emily Fox just for like what I don't she know how much great. time they I had think left. She's an awesome addition to the team, both personality oh, and on the field. Yeah. Uh, spe- uh Speaking of, she 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 posted asking for recommendations for Louisville stuff to do. So everybody send her fun stuff in town to do that. She's gonna be here for a while. How to get our buddies over at Element Eats that to hit them up and tell them the places that they've enjoyed. <laughs> Dizzy Wiz, I know they've been to. I don't think uh cool deep places into it now. There, they're yeah. building up a building up a backlog catalog to release to us. Either way, yeah. Share your stuff with Carson Pickett on where she should check out food places, places to enjoy. I threw out Bernheim Forest. A little Fun bit of a hike to compared do. to some of the other places listed, but still worth it. Their practice field is right next to the botanical gardens. That's a fun place to go. Who's practice field racing or Louisville city and racing. The botanical guards are pretty new. They only, they're only a couple years old here in town. I didn't yep. even know we had one. It's uh, at the end of Frankfurt, right before you hit pretty close to the practice field. We'll have to take, take you to the botanical gardens. It's nice. Yeah. This is new information to me. I'm actively learning right now. There yeah. we go. <laughs> cool. Uh, if you know where that, that building that's just the front, it has no back. 
at the end of yeah, Frankfurt. I know, I know it's right, it's that, right yeah. across from that, that area. Really? Yeah, it's new. It okay, hasn't been just, around long. Okay, I think I saw that, that half building, front part of the building thing a couple years ago. I don't remember what I was doing, but... Yeah, it's pretty okay. wild. It's a weird it's a weird landmark. Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, Louisville City News, uh, Ian Solaire is heading back to Europe. He the he he wanted to to go back closer to home, and the team uh, uh, released him and let him let him go. You know, it, it makes sense. He was always gonna it was always gonna be an uphill battle for minutes. That was a storyline I was I was gonna be watching there. See, kind of his make or break years. What I was kind of thinking of it as, but uh, between that and you know. You're you know an entirely different country. If you have the opportunity to go play close to the home, I really don't blame anybody for that. So I'm I'm glad they're able to help uh you know allow him to to go do that and really not not to too much of a detriment of the team. Yes, it would have been nice re- retaining him, having that depth, that option, but I also think that we're fine without it. Yeah, I feel like the the statement from the team, I, probably not on purpose, but Philly's needling Memphis a little bit. Like we we do right by the players, <laughs> the players. Like, <laughs> want to be somewhere else? We 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 help make that happen. So I I I think the club handled it right. And again, I don't I don't think we have the need to go out and get somebody to to. I don't to think it's a, I mean, he's a good player, but I think the team is plenty deep at that position yeah. right now. I, I don't think it's a huge loss on the field, but uh, wish him the best. Sad sad, sad that last year was plagued with a lot of injury trouble. I feel like we never got to see his peak here. Yeah. He never got to fully take off the ground, but you know, such a sport. So I hope, uh, hope he does a bit better over, over back in Spain. Yep. Uh, some other around the league news. Uh, we got some bonkers new kits from Portland thorns. Have you seen these? Do you see the tattoo, the tattoo away jersey? Yeah, I mean, I respect that they just they threw out the the traditional playbook and said we are doing something totally different. I, I respect that. See people take a swing, and they took swing. I don't like how they centered the cr- the press. That's a, that's a non-starter for me, pretty much in any context. But I do love how wild it is. Is it for me? No, probably not. Particularly, especially because the lower half of the kit is just kind of blank and empty. Like just my one keep big complaint is that. The 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 sponsor is not integrated very well on the front. It sort of stands out, and also like the whole stomach of the kit is just plain white. Yeah, uh, I I would have liked to seen that tattoo pattern continue over the stomach. I will say, bright bright spot though, because this leaked last week or a little while ago. But what we got to see for the first time when they did their actual release was the pants or the the, the shorts. They go with it. And the shorts are top notch. That yeah. I I love the shorts. Like I I would almost I could almost be convinced to buy just a pair of the shorts, even though I'm <laughs> a racing fan. because uh, <laughs> they've got like the embroidered they're dark green, which looks good with the white kit. I love that we're not stuck with white away kit shorts anymore for everybody. But the dark green looks nice. I think it because the bottom of the kit is so bland. I think it spices it up a little bit to have that like dark green pop down there. You got a really cool embroidered crest with like the tattoo stuff worked into the crest around it, which is nice. And then like an embroidered pattern across the shorts, which I didn't. I I didn't think I've not even seen Nike do 
on many other soccer shorts. I, I, <laughs> I think Becky mentioned it's one of the benefits of having Nike in your backyard. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, I'm sure they uh, I'm sure they have a few friends there that really helped out. But your thoughts on the shorts kind of remind me of how I felt about San Antonio's third kit like a couple years back. I want to say maybe 2019 or something. The VHS tape kind of looking ones that like very retro look ahead the old like spurs colors like Love those those a really colors. good job with it and i nearly bought one I'm like man i'm not a san antonio fan but i want one um you see they're really good looking really uh really nice kits i like but, the top i don't think i'd buy the top but i would buy those shorts yeah the the top it, i think it needed more in the center crest kind of throws up for me and the price tag oh my god two hundred dollars that's all that embroidery work it's it's, it's expensive but it's two hundred dollars for the. Oh man, I forget which name is which. There's like the authentic and the replica, the the one that is actually the jersey, the exact jersey that the team wears is the two hundred something dollar one. The the one that is like the cheaper. It looks kind of the same, but it's not the exact same one. Is is like a hundred ten or something? I think. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you might as well like do it all the way, right? So that's I don't get like if your secondary option is still like over a hundred dollars like, come on, yeah. But actually, that's the kid reminds me of I forget her name, but there is a a lady on Instagram that does custom embroidery on uh, soccer kits and adds like floral patterns and cool little embroidery details to it. It looks like one of you're talking about. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I I might uh, if I can. When we put up the episode, if I find a link, I'll link to it. But her work yeah. is really cool and kind of this this their jersey is reminiscent of that. Did ben, anything we got, else happened in the soccer world? Anything at all? It's a slow it's a slow soccer week. I, I don't we did we didn't get any very very concerning but quite funny in a in a sad way report Dark release. <laughs> ben Ben, you wanna what's going on with the national team? You wanna tell us what's going on with the national team this week? An absolute disaster. <laughs> the organization is such an embarrassment. And I'm very thankful that I'm not like very invested in the international game. Otherwise, I'd be like pulling my hair out. It, it seems like maybe it's not a good idea to have the entire leadership of the national team be like a weird little old boys club friends group. Very literally what it is. So first off, this isn't. Relevant to the whole situation, but another reason why I'm just mad about everything. Greg Berhalter, the the coach during the last World Cup, he was with the Columbus crew and then all of a sudden became the national team manager. Well, lo and behold, his brother Jay Berhalter was one of the key decision makers in that hiring decision. Hmm. That smells like nepotism, especially when there are much better candidates available at that time, like Tata Martinez. Yeah. Anyway, this drama is about him. He's actually the good guy in this. You know scenario. what they say: I don't, you can win in Cleveland, I, you can win anywhere. <laughs> but he was in Columbus. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't like Greg, but Greg is absolutely like—is good guy the right term? I don't even think I can use that. It is. I I I did I did note when I was reading through all this that like it is hard work to make me side with Greg Berhalter on something and, and, and the Reynas did it. They put in, they put in the work. They, they, they worked hard to to become the bad guys of this story. Yeah. For those not familiar, Gio Reyna is a player on the national team. He's like what? 21 something young kid, uh, star. I think he's he's like 19. Is he? Yeah. I think you're right. Actually. Now I say that 
anyway, real young kid, high potential. Not high young enough to excuse for... the way his parents behave. <laughs> he's kind of like he's kind of caught in a crossfire. His parents are the problem. Yeah. So his parents have been friends with the, uh, Greg Berhalter and his wife for years, and uh, apparently they were not happy with. Well, I, uh, okay. She... So this these ties go deep. I feel like this is worth expanding on. So Greg Berhalter and Giovanna's dad, who's Claudio Rana, who they both played with each other in high school on in soccer played with each other in college college, were were the best friends in each other's weddings played on the men's national team together so like uh both of their wives were also roommates in were roommates in college and played on the same women's soccer team in college and they were roommates combined yeah you remember <laughs> so, a very close ties between these two families. So, the Reynas were not happy with Gio's lack of involvement during the World Cup. Maybe even like the cycle, like leading up to the World Cup. One thing, because we knew they weren't happy with him getting benched in the World Cup. One thing the report details is that this is a years long thing. This this even predates Greg Berhalter being coach of the national team. They are just constantly hounding everyone in charge at the national team about how terrible every decision they make is and how geo needs more playing time. And it, that this is, this is like a, it's barely been going on for years. They are the, they are, they are the worst kind of helicopter soccer parents. I want you, I want you to continue because I read the cliff notes version and you obviously went way deeper than I did. Yeah, I think there was a quote in there. I don't even remember who the quote was from, but someone said there were 200 family uh, family passes for the World Cup um, among the players, and there were 195 very happy families and five absolutely miserable <laughs> people, and that was that was the Reynas. Also, one of their buddies is the general manager for the team. A bunch of the text messages, of course. the one that you retweeted that I was joking about, that was a, yeah. But there were a bunch of text messages to the general manager just about a- after the draw to Wales, just like that was a disgrace. This is the worst, like a bunch of expletives. Um, yeah, just <laughs> the most involved, annoying soccer dads and moms. But I think the crown jewel of 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 this recent like report stuff that had come up was uh was what he said in that in those text messages. And the one part was uh talking about how it was a disgrace that there were female referees in the match and that the 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 guys deserve better and i'm like what you know that blinking me excuse me so i guess not big women's soccer supporters the reina household (laughs) which is crazy because his wife played on the women's national team like i don't i do not recall any any particularly objectionable calls let alone ones made by a female referee in that world cup like, uh, I think this that so this was a couple of years ago text message. Oh, was that? See, yes, I don't even have the timeline right. But either yeah, this way, was like, just like a that general period. Yeah, like why? <laughs> this was not even I don't think an important game. It was just like, uh, it, yeah, it's crazy. They essentially tried to blackmail Borhalter. They went to the national team, and I forget her name, but Clay Arena's wife. Oh, I don't know her name. Came to the national team and said that if they didn't fire him she would go public with information that would be very detrimental, which is the information that kicked off this whole investigation. Uh, I don't want to 
we would not do it justice to get into details, but uh, basically she came forward with some very personal history uh, between Borhalter and his wife, uh, where when they were 18 years old in college, uh, there was there was some abuse that she came forward with. Yeah, a situation that had since been kind of mutually uh, moved on upon you know, with with all parties involved, but they were trying to use that as, as leverage because uh, their baby Geo, which especially knowing how close everyone is, it's just gross. It's like yeah. gross, dramatic stuff to and it's to, all to very do that public to, now to people whose wedding you were in. <laughs> yeah, not good, not good at all. Yeah, a lot of drama. I, the end of the report <laughs> said that. Greg Berhalter is legally cleared to continue to <laughs> coach the team, which I think is not the kind of endorsement you want to get. But <laughs> so if, kind of if he's no longer coaching, a... it is because of uh, <laughs> because he he didn't do a good job, not because of any of this. I mean, that's the kind of like language you would expect in an official investigation like that. But yeah, I mean, all this whole situation aside, I don't want him back. I don't want yeah, anybody I, I involved think, back. Just burn it all down and start for again. The next World Cup. It, nah, move on. Move on. We're playing at home. Uh, we have a lot of young, talented players. I think we need a proven coach. I don't want the coach to be making his name with this next team. Is uh, what's his face from the the German national team? Who is that for for years? Like when they went at low, Joachim Low. Is he available? Somebody like him. that. I, I feel like exponentially better. I expect someone of that caliber because like. Know, we're gonna be the ho- we're gonna be the host for the next World Cup. It it's it, it's a it's a good job for someone. I got it. Wenger in. Let's go. <laughs> Get him out of his FIFA board seat or whatever he's doing now. He's doing something like something administrative like that. How electric oh. would that be? <laughs> ben, this Mirror was board. fun. It's glad it's glad to be back in the swing of things. Parker's back. I feel good. Now we just gotta get racing back in the action, so we get double doses each week. And don't forget, next week we got our racing special with our secret special guest. It's going to be fun. Everybody should listen. Yep, we'll go through all the nitty gritty of the uh, of the off season, what we're expecting for this season. A lot of lot of movement, a lot of just things up in the air. Be a fun, interesting conversation. Should be. So, with that said, I'd like to thank everybody for their time. Thank you guys for tuning in, Thomas Morales Podcast. Thank you as always to the guys over at State of Louisville for hosting us. We're very appreciative. Um, I'm Benton. I'm Zach. And we will catch you guys next week. Take care. Bye, y'all. Vamos, Marados. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old. Soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters. Because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.